Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. Veterans Day is Thursday. In a moment, I'll talk with the head of the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. I'll talk briefly with Ohio's Democratic Senator in Washington, Sherrod Brown, about this week's election. And then in about 25 minutes, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend talks with Democrat Latina Humphrey. She's a new state representative for parts of Columbus. And Republican Lieutenant Governor John Husted will discuss Ohio's economy. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with Dwayne Casares. He's the CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. First up on Columbus Perspective, on the phone with me, Buck Bramblish, who is the executive director of the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. How are you? Uh, good morning, David. Thanks for having me, and I'm terrific. Thanks. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about Veterans Day coming up. Uh, I wanted to ask you first, right off the bat, about the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. What is that? The Veterans Service Commission uh, in Franklin County is a county agency that um, came into being after the Civil War. You know, it was the local Ohioans that said, we want to take care of our, our Ohio widows and orphans and veterans. And so right after the Civil War, they, they came up with this, uh, this concept and it's been codified in the law. And now every county, all 88 counties, have a Veterans Service Commission at the county level whose job is to support veterans. And you've been leading Franklin counties since 2016. And uh, I have to mention about your uh, stellar career in the military. Can you uh, touch on that just a little bit? Well, um, yeah, you know, whenever someone says stellar, you got to take a deep breath. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a great career. I was very, uh, very fortunate. I served with some great folks. Um, I was in the Army, Army National Guard for uh, three, four years, um, retired as a colonel. Um, you know, uh, I, I tell people that, you know, the, the military, I, I earned college degrees, uh, some of my best friends, um, but it was a chance to serve and understand um, our great country. You know, see our great country, serve our great country, um, you know, something a little bit bigger than, than yourself. And I was, I, that, that kind of kind of formed who I was. Yeah, I was 17 when I signed up. So, uh our job is to do what the government asked us to do, and, and we always feel that that's, that's chasing down freedom or trying to support freedom and uh, trying to protect freedom. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for me, I was, I was glad to make that part of my life's calling. We'll talk a little more about the Services Commission and about veterans in Franklin County, but the parade was held on Friday, November 5th, and then Thursday coming up is Veterans Day. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, vet- Veterans Day, um, you know, Veterans Day is about all veterans, um, regardless of where you might have served. They all raised their hand and swore an oath to support and defend you know, the Constitution. And, uh, and so this is a day that kind of celebrates that. It's also about um, veterans' families. You know, they sacrificed right along there with their veteran, whether it was uh, time away, missing holidays, missing significant chunks of time, you know, worrying about their veteran if they were in harm's way. And so we, we look at Veterans Day as it celebrates all veterans and, and, and the sacrifices that their families had to make, too. And so in Franklin County, we've got about 67,000 veterans. In fact, there's over 700,000 veterans in Ohio, which makes Ohio, I think, the sixth or seventh largest veteran state, so a very patriotic uh, state. We, we, we estimate that about 5,000 of the veterans uh, that are in our county um, are living at or below the, the poverty level, and another 13,000 or so um, uh, receive some kind of VA um, uh, compensation-type support. Um, so we have veterans that certainly are struggling. When you look at wartime service, 
you know, it, it, boy, that, that demographic shift, you know, the greatest generation, the Korean conflict, and they might make up uh, anywhere between, you know, 3 and 4% of a veteran population now. The Vietnam era um, veterans make up about 30%. The, this drawn-out Gulf War, you know, very long war, could make up probably another 30% um, uh, you know, of the population. And the last, uh, at least about 30%, if I did my public math right, and uh, um, and that's, that's our peacetime that, that spent their time training and preparing to, to, to respond as called. And so um, a, a big a group of veterans in our county. But the way we help, Dave, is we've got these two core competencies, and it's financial assistance generates some kind of emergency um, when a veteran and or their family is struggling. They maybe lost a job, they have a sick uh, spouse, and the income went down, um, uh, or they have a sick spouse or child, and, and, and their need just went up. Um, all kinds of things that, that might cause um, a veteran to be struggling financially, we have a, we have a program uh, that's for that, and, I, and I'd like to tell you some of the things that we do with that. Absolutely. Uh, talking with uh, Buck Bramley, she's executive director, Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. Go ahead. You know, let's start with just we're all reading so much about rent uh, and mortgage challenges right now. So, so in 2020, you know, the COVID, you know, the, the first part of the COVID year, um, we provided almost 600 um, veterans with rent mortgage support, so homelessness prevention. Um, you go back the year before 2019, that was over 1,100 to the tune of over a million dollars in support, trying to keep our veterans housed that are, that are going through these struggles. Um, food vouchers is another thing that, you know, the nutrition requirement is so important to quality of life. So when these, we have veterans that have hit that bump or have been in that bump for a while uh, on the road, um, and last year alone, especially when the, you know, everyone panicked and the shelves were being, you know, were, were clear, um, we provided over 3,000 food vouchers to support uh, veteran and veteran families, and, and, and it was over $750,000 worth of food cards. A lot of times it's like an Aldi, so it allows them to go uh, to go get food uh, um, fresh from a market somewhere. Um, so, uh, you know, another thing we do is utilities. You know, this past year, uh, in 2020, about 350 um, veterans we supported with utility challenges and couldn't pay their utilities. 2019, that was over 700. So, so when you think about emergency support, it's all these kinds of things to keep our veterans in a home uh, or in housing, fed, uh, keep their gas and their electric on, maybe keep their car running if they're trying to go to work, um, to try to support them. And, and many times, Dave, these, um, we help for a month or two, and that's, that's it. You know, they get through the tough bump in the road. Sometimes, though, they're, they're, it, it takes much more than that. And that's when we feel our job is to just provide the emergency support, and when we refer to our great partners, who really are trying to solve problems. So we might pay the rent for a couple of months while they're working with office on, uh, on aging or um, Ohio meets jobs to get a better job or get employed again, or jobs and family services. Um, we work with Lutheran Social Services, St. Vincent de Paul, all these different organizations that help provide, provide solutions while we, while we kind of just take care of the immediate need. So, so that's our, um, uh, that's the gist of our financial assistance uh, uh, program. Um, you know, I do want to mention two things that are going on right now. The first is a holiday meal card program, and uh, the suspense to, to, to get the application in um, is, uh, is pretty quick here. It's next Monday. But this provides a $100 gift card, again, for all, for, and this time I think it's Myers, 
for both the Thanksgiving holiday and an additional $100 card for the Christmas and winter holiday at the, at the end of the year. And it's a quality of life thing. You know, we, we want veterans to have that special holiday. Eligibility for these financial services I've discussed, um, there's really three things you, we look at. Are you a veteran with some type of honorable discharge? Or have you been a resident of Franklin County, in this case, for at least 90 days? And we, and we talk about poverty level. So are you at 250% or, or less of the poverty cycle? And so those are really the eligibility criteria for um, the holiday meal card that I just described. We also have a winter clothing program that's going on right now. And this one goes on all the way through February. And it's, again, a $100 gift card through Myers um, that, that will allow veterans and his or her spouse and their dependents, if they have them, uh, the opportunity to, to, to get a new coat, maybe new hat clubs. And so um, th- those are programs that we do along with the other things that I talked about, you know, rent, mortgage, and utility. But Dave, that's financial assistance. We do do one other thing, and it's, it's, uh, it's uh, service work and uh, support trying to get um, veterans' benefits most commonly through the um, Veterans Administration. If I could just explain that for a second. Sure, go ahead. So um, a lot of our veterans, um, they, they come back and they have issues and challenges. And some of them, they have those issues and challenges right away. And, and the VA has a program where you can apply for benefits. It can be complicated, and sometimes it could be three or four months long, and sometimes it could be five or six years long. And so what we do is we have tra- nationally trained, state-accredited, nationally-accredited um, service officers who will help the veterans file, chase down records, um, work through the, the, the results from the VA's um, review of those records. If it goes to appeal, we'll support them through the appeal process, no matter how long it takes, um, as they try to seek these benefits. Some of these benefits you know, are monetary benefits for illnesses, injuries. Um, doesn't have to be something as a result of war. It's, it's, it's a result of being a, a service member. And then other folks, they have aches and pains that, that they had from service, but, you know, they just lived with it for 20 or 25 years. Uh, and some of, there may be people out there who have parents that are in this, this uh, situation or maybe in a situation themselves, and all of a sudden those aches and pains, you know, from that, from that, that leg they broke or that, that tendon they tore in the military, now they're, they're 55 or 65 or 70, and it's, it's, it's really prohibitive in their quality of life. Those are also things that we can seek VA support for. Um, and so... Um, we want to get the word out, not only to the veteran, but if you're a family member of a veteran, um, if you're a co-worker of a veteran, you know, number one, if they are in some kind of financial challenge, send them to us. Number two, if, if you know they have some kind of physical ailment, um, uh, you could at least mention to them, um, hey, that by chance start in the service, you know, and, and mention our agency um, so that, uh, that those veterans can call us. We'll set up an appointment. And we'll go through the entire process with them and try to support them um, uh, as they try to apply for um, veterans' benefits. That's tremendous. Uh, talking with Buck Bramlish, he's the executive director of the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. You know, it, it's so interesting that the safety nets are vast and, and greatly in need for veterans, and not just uh, governmentally through volunteers. And, you know, I was just thinking, too, about uh, this week there was another honor flight out of Columbus going down to Washington. Just a tremendous availability, you know, if, if they take advantage of such things. That's a great point, and, and I just want to give a, a nod out to my staff. My staff actually donated money and, and, and supported one of those that were on the honor flight this week. So, so we're, we're proud to be part of that. But, you, you know, you're right. I, I 
always hesitate to mention because I can't mention them all, but, you know, it, it may be Volunteers of America. It may be State Vincent to Paul. It might be Faith Mission. It might be, you know, one of the partners I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of work to help not only just our citizens in Franklin County, but there are programs that are also that they facilitate that, that are specifically, you know, to support veterans. Our goal at the Veterans Service Commission in Franklin County is to provide the immediate support they need. And if they need, if they have underlying issues, if they have long-term issues, we refer them to those kinds of organizations. Because we want, in the end, we want them toward a, a better quality of life. I want to mention, you know, the, really kind of the last thing I want to make sure I always mention is, you know, you hear in the news about, about um, veteran suicide. And that number is always, unfortunately, you know, have lately been ticking around 20 a day. 20 a day veterans that were, that were losing uh, to take their life. And it, it's heartbreaking. And I just want to mention, you know, there are all kinds of hotlines, but the one we will refer is, is the, uh, um, you know, the Veterans uh, Crisis Hotline. And I want to give that phone number out real quick here. And that, that phone number is 800-273-8255. And I'll say it again, 800-273-8255. And then you press 1, and uh, that crisis hotline is there um, all the time for anybody that's just struggling. Or if you know someone that's struggling, you know, try to get them the call. And then turn it over to the Veterans Crisis Hotline to do what they're, what they're trying to do. So, Dave, this has been great. This, this is kind of our story. Again, there's one of these in each county. We all do different things, you know, different counties, different things, but we all have the same basic mission, and that is provide emergency financial support and help veterans get the, the benefits that they, that they earn uh, by their service. In a moment, I want you to, to give again uh, the link where, on the website where folks can uh, access some of this help. But first, I did want to mention that your uh, Veterans Day ceremony is coming up Thursday at 11 a.m. at the National Veterans Memorial and Museum. What a great venue, and we really haven't even seen, you know, that brand-new facility hasn't even really seen a non-pandemic era to be appreciated yet. So there's some great things coming with that. I'm smiling. I Boy, if I didn't do an A-plus job, the general would get me that, 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 uh, that runs that, uh, Tim Ferry, who runs the, the, the museum memorial. It's a great, it's a great venue, and it's different. You know, it's not about tanks displayed and armament displayed. It, it is about stories, stories of the lives of veterans. And so it's a very unique approach. It's a beautiful place. Um, and, uh, and I've been there a number of times, and, and yeah, let's get this pandemic out of here. You know, let's keep our, you know, let's keep our hope up. And uh, that's a great place for, for people to visit. And I, and I know they're open for business. Yeah, I'd love to give our contact information. Uh, I'll give our phone number and then our website. We are, we are still setting appointments. And really, it's worked out better for us. You know, we, like a lot of social-type service organizations, sometimes man, our lobby would get just packed and it was a tough, uh, a tough environment. We're setting appointments now. You know, we've learned through the pandemic some ways to, to, to do things. And so um, call us or go to our website and fill out an application, and we will call you. Um, and and you know, I'll give you numbers. In 2019, we, we served 5,200 unique veterans uh, over 22,000 times. So, so pretty, pretty busy. So wow. um, that phone number is 614-525-2500, 614-525-2500, or our website, is vet v e t s dot franklin county ohio altogether all one word dot gov 
So it's vetfranklincountyohio.gov. How'd I do? That's outstanding. Very clear. Talking with Buck Bramlish. He's the executive director of the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, just just thank you. Thank you for the time. You know, it's, it's very kind the way this community reaches out um, to everybody uh, in need. And, and as Veterans Day approaches, just the appreciation that, that I see from the, the, the community. I was at a, a, a Dublin South High School with a, a veterans event that just literally knocked my thoughts off it was it was just amazing we live in a great community here and so you know thanks for the recognition uh, of veterans day coming up and, and thanks for the time to talk about uh, our agency and what we try to do buck thanks so much for the information very helpful you're welcome thank you hello i'm todd markowitz vice president and general manager of radio ohio which owns 97.1 the fan we're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company we seek the help of local organizations and referring qualified applicants organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of human resources radio ohio 770 twin rivers drive columbus 43215 if you'd like to view our current job openings please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. Each year, Ohioans are injured and killed in train car accidents that could have been avoided with properly functioning gates and flashing lights. Facts show that gates and lights together prevent more train car accidents than stop signs or crossbucks alone. How can you help? Approach all crossings with caution and report bad railroad crossings at angelsontrack.org. That's angelsontrack.org. Because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and this station. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent. Or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need. 211, how can I help you? Call or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. A message from United Way and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. We have the world at our fingertips. Inspiration in our touch and power in our hands. Right here, in our hands, we have the power to save a life. If you see a teen or adult suddenly collapse, call 911 and push hard and fast in the center of the chest. The power is in your hands. Anthem Foundation is the proud national supporter of the American Heart Association's hands-only CPR campaign. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Earlier this week, I had a chance to talk with U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown, Ohio's Democratic U.S. Senator, about the election. 
During this conversation, he talks about the infrastructure bill and the Democrats' Build Back Better legislation. The infrastructure bill was approved on Thursday by the House and sent to President Joe Biden. The other larger bill is still pending. Hi, this is Dave James on the phone with me, U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat. Uh, I wanted to ask you first uh, off the bat uh, your thoughts about uh, the election. Yeah, I, of course, I was disappointed. I, I know the governor candidate. I would ho- was hoping he'd win. Uh, it's typical in Virginia in, in these off off year elections that whoever, wh- whichever party wins the presidency is the odds are kind of stacked against that party and the next year's governor's race in Virginia. So I, I'm not shocked by it. But I think all it says to me is that Democrats have to we have to pass these. The Senate has to pass these two bills. Uh, the the it's you know they're they're these bills are about it's their jobs bills, uh, they are they will help. That's um, got the largest tax cut for working families in American history. Ninety percent of child families with children in in, in in Ohio will get at least a three thousand dollar a year tax cut, maybe more, and money in their pockets, not a deduction, a real tax cut. Um, it will cut the cost of housing and child care and prescription drugs for seniors. So um, it's something we need to do, and we need to do it now. Well, Democrats in Ohio are different than Democrats in New Jersey or Virginia near D.C. And if Democrats are having trouble in those areas, what does that mean in Ohio? I mean, are you concerned about Democrats' future in Ohio? I'm not. I saw in Ohio this this week we elected uh, young, diverse mayors, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Lima, uh, part of a program that that I've begun on um, to to invest in in, uh, in in young candidates and build a farm system of smart young Democrats. Uh, so I was pleased with what I saw there in a lot of suburbs. The people that were running for the school board uh, were that were trying to tell the trying to write curriculum and and try to tell students what to, what they can read and all the kinds of and, and mask wearing and all those things. A lot of those far right candidates were defeated. So I think it was a pretty good day in Ohio. And I don't think what happens in Virginia has any real impact in what we're going to do in Ohio because we have a good, strong candidate for governor and a good, strong candidate for Senate. And I'm optimistic. I haven't looked at demographics on this lately, but it seems like white men, you know, that Democrats are losing white men in droves. Uh, How do you get them back? Well, Democrats are winning white women in droves. So um, uh, it's a little peculiar, the the big voting, the big difference in voting between men and women. But, um, you know, more more diverse electorate as Ohio is getting and other states are is good news for Democrats. And in the suburbs, Democrats do better and better. In smaller towns, we do worse. And um, it's it's a division that's unfortunate for our country um, because I, I do see in small town Ohio sort of a move away from, um, you know, I mean, whether it's vaccine rates, uh, we're seeing 95 percent of people in in big city and small town hospitals hospitalized for COVID were unvaccinated. Um, that that's a concern in this state for, for all long term for health care. I mean, we're seeing divisions that we didn't used to see in this country between urban and rural and and men and women in ways that uh, I don't think are good for the country. And I wanted to ask you real quick about Senator Joe Manchin. He's uh, done a lot to hold up this legislation, and yet, you know, he he represents a, a more conservative state. Seems like he's answering to his constituents. What are your thoughts about Senator Manchin? 
Well, I think he's coming to the table, and uh, we we listen to all 50 Democrats. We work with everybody. We've tried to be bipartisan. Uh, for instance, on the prescription drug bill, uh, we want to do we want to bring the cost of prescription drugs down. Uh, it's something a lot of us worked on for a lot of years. It would simply say that Medicare can negotiate directly with the drug companies on behalf of 45 million Medicare beneficiaries to bring the cost down. We do it at the VA. It means the price of drugs could come down 20, 30, 40 percent. Um, we have 49 out of 50 Democrats who are on board. We think we're going to get all 50. Every single Republican is in the pocket of the drug companies and doing the bidding of the drug companies. That's why this is so difficult that every Republican has opposed uh, making the tax system fairer. Um, every Republican is opposed investing in child care to bring the cost down. Every Republican's opposed to has been in the pocket of the drug companies on bringing the price of medicine down. So um, we're we're walking a narrow path, and uh, every Democratic senator has an opinion, and it makes it hard, but we're going to get it done. Senator, thanks so much for your time. All right, thanks, Dave. Democratic U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us for Face the State today. I'm Tracy Townsend. There is a new name and face representing the state's 26th House District. It's the south and east side of Columbus, as well as Reynoldsburg, parts of Whitehall, Bexley, and Groveport. That's a diverse swath of central Ohio, which State Representative Latina Humphrey is now working to learn more about as she was appointed and sworn into office earlier this month. I talked with Representative Humphrey, who's a Columbus native, a graduate of East High School, and she says she's working now to learn her constituents' priorities and to make a point about her own priorities. I have a background in criminal justice. I was bailiff to the Honorable Judge Carl Avaney, and so um, I really am passionate about criminal justice reform. Um, Obviously, I want to focus on alternatives to incarceration. Um, I also want to focus on uh, reentry for folks um, who are returning. Um, I am a daughter of a returning citizen, um, and so it's really uh, important to me. Um, also, I want to focus on housing. I was community relations for our Franklin County Auditor's Office of Mr. Michael Cinziano, uh, where he kind of made me the face of all things affordable housing, and I fell in love with it. So I want to, one, make sure that we keep our seniors in their homes, that that's what they want to do. Um, And I want to make sure that um, folks who live in housing have safe and affordable and quality housing. Like I said, when I was doing that community needs survey during the appointment process, um, access to affordable health care was important. So um, that wasn't something I was thinking would be of importance. It's important, but I wasn't thinking that, you know, that would be something that kept coming up. Um, And so that is a part of my priority as well as um, focusing on behavioral and recovery support. So um, I'm, you know, walking in in chewing gum at the same time, but I wanted to make sure people knew my priority, um, but then also know that I have an open door policy and willing to talk to anyone about any concerns that they may have within the district. 
Representative Humphrey says her district benefits from employers including UPS, the Ronald McDonald House, and a number of black-owned businesses. She says she hopes to focus on attracting more businesses and working with police to address crime in that area. Ohio is making moves to protect its underserved families. Governor Mike DeWine signed an executive order. It's for a new savings program. It's called the After School Child Enrichment Educational Savings Account, or ACE. The program will provide up to $500 per year for children ages 6 to 18. To qualify, families must have an income of less than 300% of the federal poverty level. The money can go toward various educational activities. That includes tutoring, day camps, and even music lessons. Ohio Board of Education President Laura Kohler has stepped down. She sent a resignation letter. Two weeks ago, Kohler voted against repealing an anti-racist resolution. That resolution would condemn any teachings that seek to divide. It passed 10 to 7. Kohler voted against it. In her letter to Governor Mike DeWine Friday, she wrote in part, I believe I can best support you and your work at this time by submitting my resignation. Kohler went on to thank the governor for allowing her to serve the position for five years. The state health department released new quarantine guidance when it comes to students and COVID-19, and that guidance is called mask to stay and test to play. Here's how it works. If your child has direct exposure to someone with COVID in a school activity, they can stay in school symptom-free and wearing a mask for 14 days. But between five to seven days, they can test. If they have a negative test and are symptom-free, they can remove the mask unless it's already required. As for extracurricular activities, asymptomatic participants can take part as long as they wear a mask when it's reasonable. They have to take a test as soon as they find out they've been exposed and again in that five to seven day window. So far, Columbus City Schools and the Olentangy Local School District will follow these new recommendations. There's been a lot of speculation about the cause of the unemployment crisis. Coming up, the conversation aimed at unraveling a complex situation. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. Crispy. Faded. Lit. Baked. Toasty. Stoned. Blazed. Zooted. When you're high, there are a lot of ways to say it. But there's only one thing you need to remember. Driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal everywhere. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Welcome back. We are finding out just how much money was reportedly mishandled by the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services throughout the pandemic. That amount, $3.8 billion. This is specifically linked to unemployment benefit issues. It was $475 million in fraudulent payments and $3.3 billion in overpayments. A state auditor says a lack of controls is to blame for the mishandling of money and that ODJFS waited to acknowledge the issues until hundreds of millions of dollars in money had been misspent. The audit covered March of 2020 to February of this year. But the ODJFS security director says the department is in a much better place now than eight months ago. 
we continue to implement new strategies to improve the timeliness of claims processing and safeguarding federal and state taxpayer money. Ted Investigates did several reports on the unemployment issues throughout the pandemic. You can look for those at 10tv.com slash 10investigates. 10TV's Clay Gordon spoke with Lieutenant Governor John Husted about the economy in Ohio and where we stand when it comes to creating jobs. In Ohio, we're creating jobs faster than we can find people to fill them. And uh, right now we have on OhioMeetsJobs.com more than 269,000 jobs available. 150,000 of them pay more than $50,000 a year. These are both records. We've never seen anything like it. I've been working in economic development my entire adult life. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, there are lots of jobs out there, lots of high paying jobs out there. It's an employee market and employees are, are really dictating the terms of, of going to work these days. I talked to one pizza place yesterday that is doing things. They've been open since 1961. They're doing things now they've never done before. Usually they have people walk in and apply. Um, what about for the employers out there? Uh, what could the state do to help uh, maybe someone that hasn't had an issue hiring but now does? Is, what, is the state helping uh, those uh, business owners too? Well, the way we can help is to try to train more people. Uh, that's the one role that, that state government and local government can play partnering with our schools. And, and the good news is, is that you're seeing businesses uh, work with their educational institutions more closely than ever. Local business advisory councils at the high schools, more students enrolling in career centers, uh, more internships, uh, pre-apprenticeships, earn and learn opportunities. So look, when, when times get desperate, people turn to new ways of doing things. As the saying goes, you can't keep doing things the way you've always done them and expect different results. So you're seeing businesses, educational institutions begin these closer partnerships, uh, more uh, in uh, recruiting programs into job training, things like that. This, what the state's doing is we're funding a lot of those activities. We're sponsoring programs. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you use the, the IMAP program in Ohio, for example, you can earn an industry-recognized credential, uh, and we will pay up to $3,000 for the cost of you earning that credential. Many of these credentials can be earned in weeks and are less than $3,000 that lead to jobs that pay more than $50,000 a year. If you want job training, there are free pathways for you to get it and to get prepared for these jobs that will give you a career with industry-recognized credentials in the kinds of fields that we know are going to be there for the long haul that you can support a family on and lead a, a good quality of life. What are your thoughts for the future and what are your thoughts for the, for the moment in that? Well, the biggest, the biggest strain on the economy is the lack of a workforce right now. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, these are, these are in some ways problems of prosperity. Uh, when you have a lot of jobs and not enough people to fill them, that's creating, that's creating a strain on the supply chain and, and, and in a lot of our lives and the things that we, we want to buy, the prices are going up. The way, the way for recovery going forward is to get the pandemic in the rearview mirror, get people back to work, uh, keep them at work, uh, and um, begin uh, to uh, improve our productivity through job training, things like that. Uh, this this recovery is is in progress, but we we have to make sure we're not making government policies that chase people out of work. That's why I'm not for 
the vaccine mandate at the federal level because it's going to force people out of the workforce unnecessarily so. Uh, and we hopefully can avoid that, keep people on the job, because when you have people leave work, you're just creating a greater strain on that supply chain. You're creating inflation. You're, you're slowing the economic recovery. We have to keep the recovery going in a way that bring people back into the workforce. Uh, and that is, I mean, there's no other way around it. Until you can get people off the sidelines and into the game, uh, we're not going to see the robust level of recovery that we all hope for. Jobs are unfilled, yet workers are unemployed. How can both of these things be true? It's a topic our partners at the Columbus Dispatch explored this past week with a panel of experts. They tackled issues in the community with a series called Columbus Conversations. Many analysts say the job solution is complicated and multi-layered. The first question, where have the workers gone? Well, they were not sitting on the sidelines waiting for their uh, benefits to run out. Uh, if so, then we would have seen a really big jump in the labor force once the benefits ended. And we did see an increase in September in Ohio's labor force, but no more than what we saw in June, July, and August. And the same's true elsewhere. Uh, Missouri ended their supplemental benefit back in June. Workforce officials saw virtually no increase in applicants the first few weeks after that. So, as usual, it's about more than money. So we actually had a couple people in comments already link it to the um, the pandemic and the requirements for vaccines. Does anybody think that has anything to do with this? I do. It's a part of it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, I would say it's part of it, but, you know, I want to go back, Bill. I think money does have something to do with this. And I'm talking about those individuals who have historically been low-wage earners uh, no longer feel the need to go to a low-wage job mm. when they have uh, benefits or there's housing stabilization dollars Um that are out there um or they just you know they'll figure out how to survive you know with their own side hustle at this point you can hear much more from that panel by heading over to the dispatch.com congressman tim ryan helped introduce the social security 2100 act the goal is to increase benefits across the board for current and new beneficiaries improve cost of living adjustment and eliminate tax on their benefits for middle income recipients Ryan talked about the values behind the changes. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter whether you're white, black, or brown. You will be taken care of. And this, is, this bill that John crafted is grounded in those values of compassion and, and caring about each other and the common good and using some common sense to get us there. Expect to see more fireworks light up the sky in Ohio. The Ohio House and Senate passed a bill to allow people to set off consumer-grade fireworks during holidays and certain days of the year. That list of holidays includes New Year's Day, Chinese New Year's Day, Cinco de Mayo, Memorial Day weekend, Juneteenth, Fourth of July, and Diwali. This has been an issue state lawmakers have really been going back and forth on for years. Four General Assemblies ago, the Ohio Senate passed a fireworks bill. The Ohio House did not pass it. 
Three General Assemblies ago, Representative Marty Sweeney and I got the House to pass the fireworks bill, and the Senate didn't pass it. Last General Assembly, Representative Baldridge and O'Brien got the House to pass the fireworks bill, and the Senate didn't pass it in a form that we thought would be acceptable. This General Assembly, we passed it uh, uh, earlier in the year. The Senate passed it. The governor vetoed it. We're getting closer. Let's be the House that could. We are on the verge of getting a bill that the governor has promised us he will sign. The Senate sent us a strong, clear message, 26 to 5. Let's show them we are their equal and get this bill passed so we won't have to talk about fireworks anymore. Well, if the governor signs it, local governments would have the option to ban consumer-grade fireworks altogether. Governor DeWine met privately with the British ambassador to the United States. The United Kingdom is Ohio's largest European investor. Nearly 600 British-owned companies have a presence here in Ohio. We uh, have a direct trading relationship with Ohio, but we also wish to enhance the trading relationship with the United States as a whole. Uh, we understand the President's point that he can't uh, resume international trade negotiations yet, wants to get his domestic packages through, but we very much hope for those negotiations to be resumed. We think there are lots of areas uh, when they are of interest to people in Ohio. Thank you for joining us here today. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV. From their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. This is Jim at a party. Dude, pass it. Hi there. This is Jim making nachos. Hi there. This is Jim watching his favorite horror movie. Oh yeah, definitely hi there. And this is Jim driving his car. Dude, not high there. Jim's making good decisions and not getting behind the wheel when he's high. Because he knows that if you feel different, you drive different. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors, and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. 
I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me, he's back again. It's Dwayne Casares, who is the CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. How are you doing, Dwayne? I think the before my title was great. It's kind of like, you know, the Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, the is. Ohio State University. I, I like this, Dave. And, and you know what's weird about that is on the logo, the word the is really little, which I, I thought was always kind of odd. It's all caps. Let's be clear. Okay. It's all, all, all right. <laughs> with an extra E. An extra E on it, too, right? The CEO. <laughs> uh, so, so what is uh, this agency that you're the CEO of? What, what do you do? I have no idea. <laughs> We're a, a nonprofit social service agency. We offer counseling and case management services to about 6,000 people in uh Franklin County, uh, most of our clients are kids, um, so youth. The, um, we also have two after-school programs, and both of them on the east side who offer uh, homework help, leadership development, tutoring, um, as well as a lot of the stuff in the arts. We have arts classes, uh, dance, music. Um, we have two bands that play out of there. So everything on a limited scale now, since we are still in this pandemic, um, a lot of our kids are under the age of 12, so we've been very, very careful uh, since up to this point. Uh, at least things will probably change now with uh, vaccination so that we can open it up and probably get more kids through our programs. But And all of our services are free. Ability to pay for services are not an obstacle, So, um, and all of our counseling services we take to the homes or the schools in the community. We still offer telehealth because some folks still aren't comfortable with people coming into their homes. Um, so you really get to choose what, how you want to receive services. And I guess, uh, you know, the pandemic, just like it has always been, has uh, been up and down and it, it affects people differently and communities differently. We've got this fall, we've had a, a resurgent Delta variant, which has really hit rural communities hard. And even though the numbers have been coming down the last few weeks, just this week, they seem to have leveled off and it's still a fairly high level of hospitalizations. So it just doesn't seem like we're done with this until enough people get vaccinated. Yeah, you know, I, as an agency, um, we have 110 employees, so 106 um, are vaccinated. It's um, which I'm happy that without any mandate here, we got that many people um, to get vaccinated. But it's just a, a tough call out there, and vaccinations are available. Um, I've got my booster. <laughs> I couldn't wait. So. Um, but people are at different places on this process, and I guess we have to uh, just work with that. 
So now we've got the holidays coming up, and even though there's still, you know, in Ohio, 35% of the population is not vaccinated at all, I think it's just going to be a a wide-open holiday season when it comes to people visiting each other and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, and and holidays typically can be very, very stressful times when you think about it. You know, it's like, oh, family gets together, you know, we get to see people we haven't seen in a while, and, you know, especially, you know, going through the last year and a half that we've gone through, um, and, and all these should be like joyful events, but it always seems to be when family gets together at times, um, there can be challenges with that as well. Yeah, this this year might be more complicated than usual because there's a lot more new stuff to argue about. <laughs> well, that is true, and and that can make family gatherings uh, turn ugly very quickly. So I always think that when you're heading into these things, yeah, not only should you prepare yourself, um, but you should be proactive about addressing things so that you can minimize uh, those types of negative interactions. You know, we've talked in the past about how the holiday season, though, can be a, a, a time for mending bridges, so to speak. It can be, yes. Um, but that can go south real quick as well. So um, I think the more planful we are, uh, the better it is. Um, I, you know, a lot of human behavior is one of the things that we always talk about as, as counselors and therapists. Um, it, it, you should be proactive in planning things beforehand because uh, human behavior is pretty predictable. People get used to certain patterns, um, and and we know it. And at times, uh, for instance, everybody knows, oh, Uncle so-and-so, he always comes and he drinks way too much and gets plastered and blah. So if you know this, you should plan accordingly. You know, you can, you know, talk to the uncle beforehand and ask if he would maybe, minim- if it's causing conflicts, that he would minimize his intake of um, alcoholic beverages because of some of the challenges that presents for everyone else. Um, that's not a discussion you need to have when he shows up and is already drinking. Let's be very clear about that. Um, it's something that you can have a discussion, you know, t- two or three weeks beforehand. Uh, and, and, you know, that may create a problem any way, but at least it's not in the setting where it affects everybody. Talking with Dwayne Casara, CEO, Directions for Youth and Families. Now, we have had, in Ohio, more than 26,000 people have died. A great majority of them over, say, age 70, which means a lot of a lot of grandparents won't be right. at the holidays this time around. Right, and, and that's going to be a void, and I think even planning for that. And, and sometimes, you know, people have little memorials for them. Sometimes they, they save a seat at the table for them just, um, to, uh, just to make sure that um, everybody, you know, kind of remembers them or, or it's just a, a thing out of respect. Um, people just have different practices with that. So, um, But also, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge, Dave, I think, with some because you're still going to have some grandparents who are going. Um, and if you have divided families who, um, where some aren't vaccinated and some are, this is a new challenge. This is, uh, um, you know, people have to make tough calls. Does that mean everybody gets invited? Does it mean they don't? Um, uh, do you have to spread things out? Do you have to restrict certain things? Uh, it, it, that has become so polarizing in, in some families that um, you're just going to have to prepare for it. You can't just ignore it and think, oh, well, hopefully nothing will happen. Um, I, I think you have to be a little bit more uh, proactive than that. You know, this polarizing of families, and uh, I mean, it, it, it's getting deeper and deeper as we go. It looks like this is really going to be hard for the country to navigate its way out of. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, um, you know, everybody wants to have their own uh, facts, if you will, and they start throwing them at each other. It, it's when you talk about 
and, and actually, they're almost as if that as long as I share the facts, that's going to be enough. Um, as, polar, as polarized as this has become, I don't. That's facts are just knowledge. It's information. You know, it's it's how we think. Um, that doesn't change behavior in itself. Um, it, there are. It's how you think, how you feel, how you act. You can't separate the three from each other. So it's the cognitive, the emotional, and the behavioral. Um, and too often, uh, we we try to just. Uh, correct everything or impact other people just through a cognitive approach. Um, that can be effective with some, but with others it's not going to be. So uh, uh, sometimes you have to navigate things through more an emotional or behavioral thing. Um, but I think at times if, if you're, I don't think anybody should set their plan to say, hey, at Thanksgiving, let's make sure that we talk to so-and-so and make sure that they end up, you know, coming over to our camp. Or um, that is just not the time to do that. That's not the event that that should be planned for. Um, and, and at times, you may even want to say, hey, this year, just because we want to respect, we want to see everybody, we're happy about that, we want to respect everybody's uh, own personal perspective, we're going to ask that this list of things not be discussed. Um, but, and here's the other part of this, but I want to us to all think about these things because I'd like to discuss them and, and, and pick something positive, pick something that, so you just don't leave the void, um, but you can actually pick topics that, that, um, that might generate some excitement around it or um, say, you know, this year I'd like us to make sure that we play this board game or that board game. Dave, I don't know if you've played any board games recently, like new ones. They're fascinating. Um, there are so many really cool things out there now that, that uh, I think board games have gone to a whole new level. So, um, But I, I think you just have to plan for these things. I think that's a good idea about a list of things not to discuss because uh, there's just too much going on right now that can go south in a hurry. And if anything, you know, as an agency, we always talk about self-care, and your support system is a part of that self-care process. So um, you don't want to damage that. And I think, you know, it's important that we all be supportive of each other, you know, even now as we're trying to navigate um, through things. So uh, um putting a positive spin on it, uh, trying to keep things supportive and, and, and comfortable for everyone. And if somebody slips up, say, hey, 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 you don't have to yell at them. I told you not. The tone is everything. Decibel level is everything. To say, um, hey, i just wondering if maybe we can revisit the guidelines we said. It's a uh, just out of respect for everybody else if, if we can change the topic and, and then introduce a different topic. I mean, it, it's this little misdirection, in a sense, if you will, is helpful. So it doesn't just leave everybody hanging. Talking with Dwayne Casares, CEO, Directions for Youth and Families. Now, you're counselors and therapists out in the field who are talking with these kids. What's the sense that you're getting from them about the mood of kids these days, uh, their mental health? Well, you know, it's still tough. Um, it, it is still very, very tough. Isolation for anybody is tough. And, and with kids who are used to interacting with other kids, um, you know, we're wearing in, you know, a year and a half now. I, you know, I think the fact that schools are back and, and some things are some normal is good. Um, actually, I think it's great. Uh, but I, I also think we have to balance that with keeping everybody safe. Um, that's certainly what we are trying to do at our youth centers. Um, still support them, uh, still give them outlets, still encourage them, um, but also keep everybody safe. There's been, uh, you know, an uptick of violence in schools, too. Bedford is uh, the one that I'm thinking of up in suburban Cleveland. Actually went to virtual learning for almost the entire month of November because of recent fights in the school that even uh, faculty got injured, you know, trying to break them up. And we're hearing school administrators saying that 
the stress level is high with kids. They spend a year, you know, without social interaction, and there's a lot of pent-up frustration. And one of the things that, that we always have to be mindful of is, and it's tough, um, but schools, in a sense, represent a safe setting that um, sometimes it's just safer to act out in school than it is at home. Um, as much as everybody's been under stress, you know, we, we need to be aware of what's going on in people's homes. And sometimes that's, unfortunately, that's the byproduct of, of sometimes dysfunctional things going on at home is they play themselves out in school. Um, and and um, that's just been hard. It's been hard all the way around. It, it, it's almost, it, everybody just needs to be kinder. It's, uh, I mean, this is tough. We're not through all of this yet. And um, and, and, you know, hopefully with, with vaccines increasing, um, we'll start to see some things get a little bit better. But uh, it, it, we, we have to keep trying to plug along and, and focus in on positives. You know, it sounds simplistic, but maybe, you know, the fairly normal Halloween and, you know, starting to see the Christmas decorations up and everything, it, it may be a real mood lifter this year. Yeah, you know, hopefully so. So it's, um, it, you know, we, I really do hope so. So it, it's I, I, all the time when I see holiday decorations out, it always is a lift for me. I'm one of those people who put things out as well. Um, uh, just because I like the look of it, I just like uh, the smile it brings. And, and I think that that's just kind of important. It's the little things that um, I, I think give us little sparks um, that get us through these days now. And you do often hear, you know, the sort of random acts of kindness, the uh, secret Santas and all that kind of stuff. It happens more this time of year. People start giving more, and maybe there'll be a, a bigger uptick this year because of the way the last year and a half's been. You know, it's little things, too. It can be, it doesn't even have to be a gift. It can just be a note of appreciation or uh, uh, just some comments about, um, I know I, I, you know, I, I don't say this often enough, but, you know, you actually matter to me, and I do. I truly do appreciate um, you being a part of my life. That can be so lifting uh, up to people, and I just think at times we, we just take those things for granted, and during these difficult times, I think we should put them back on the table and uh, revisit them and think, hey, I can do that, um, and I'm going to do that. I have a friend in Cleveland. Actually, I got a... a a text from him last night. He said he, he each day in November he's picking a person in his life that has uh, had an impact on him and sending them a text to tell them how grateful he is. And I got one from him last night, and um, it was just really nice. I mean, honestly, I read it like three times. It was just uh, very thought. I'm not surprised by him doing this, but uh, what a wonderful, grateful thing that costs nothing. That reminds me of about uh, three or four years ago, my favorite teacher from Actually, from any grade, but from it was in high school. I found her on Facebook and sent her just a, a gushing letter about how much she meant to me, and I think it made me feel better than it did her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably creeped her out, Dave. Um, <laughs> no, but those are those are like just simple acts of kindness. That isn't. Um, it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Dwayne Casara, CEO, Directions for Youth and Families. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, happy holidays. It's, uh, <laughs> be safe out there. You know, enjoy each other. Be planful. Um, uh, restrict what you're going to talk about. Don't participate in some of the uh, um, uh, uh, discussions that are going to end up creating problems. And, um, and assist your host, whoever that may be. Um, offer your assistance. That's always a, a helpful thing. If folks want more information about your agency, Dwayne, where do they find it? You can 
check us out on the web, www.dfyf.org, um, or they can call our intake department, 614-294-2661. All right. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Dave. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, and Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.